Well, good morning, everybody, and happy Easter. Welcome to Oasis Community Church Online. So pleased to have you with us. My name is John. I'm the pastor of the church. And uh, whether you have been with us throughout Church Online or whether you're visiting this morning, maybe someone from our church gave you a link and said, hey, why don't you join us? Then you're so welcome. Uh, So pleased to have you here with us as we celebrate Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday together. This is a Sunday where we as Christians, we believe that Jesus, the Son of God, is not dead. In fact, he actually died and is now risen again. Uh, And all that that means for how we get to live is what we're going to celebrate this morning. So we're going to sing together and we're going to hear some stories about how Jesus has transformed and changed the lives of people in our church. And uh, Mark Greenwood, who's part of our church, is just going to speak to us throughout the morning. So uh, I just, I really hope and pray that this morning is a blessing and an encouragement as we celebrate this Easter Sunday together right now. I know he rescued my soul. His blood has covered my sin, I believe.
I don't know if you've heard of the Katara sinkhole. It's west of Cairo in Egypt. It is massive. For those of you who've never heard of a sinkhole, a sinkhole happens when all of a sudden, for no apparent reason, the ground just drops underneath and everything that was supported by that ground just falls right into it. And the Katara one is the biggest in the world. I mean, it's huge. It's miles and miles wide and long and deep. Google it. That's what you do these days. But sinkholes can be quite small. In fact, I've heard of and seen quite small sinkholes that have just trees have fallen into it. But sometimes whole houses and gardens and streets have just fallen into this sinkhole. I want you to imagine don't get too worried by the way, that you're out and about walking in like woods like this today and all of a sudden the ground opens up from beneath your feet and a huge great sinkhole appears in the ground and I want you to imagine that water mains are burst and it's starting to fill up and your broken legs and arms these are arms by the way not legs you're broken loads and you know that there's no way that you can get out and so you begin to shout for help as anybody would do you reckon you've not got that long to survive and to live and so you're beginning to panic and then you hear what you think might be footsteps and a voice and and as those footsteps and as that voice gets a little bit closer you go yes help is on its way but help suddenly disappears hope suddenly disappears when the person looks over and says are you all right and you go well no not really I mean I've broken my arms and my legs and look at the water it's filling up and the person says I can see you're in trouble I can see you're in a whole load of trouble don't panic all you need to do is enter into a state of inner peace Ignore the reality of the pain and the suffering around you. Be at one with yourself and the world because it doesn't really exist. You just need to get rid of it out of your consciousness. I mean, is that really the kind of help you want? No, it's not, is it? The person walks away and guess what? You're still in the same predicament. By now you're starting to worry, you realise the water level's filling up even more. You calculate and you haven't got that long to live. And then you hear more footsteps and, uh, and, and a voice, somebody whistling maybe, happily going through their day. They come to the top and you shout, help, help. And they say, you all right? And you say, no, my legs and arms are broken and the water's rising. I'm in a right mess. I, I, just, I just don't know how to get myself out. And they said, you're right. I can see you're in a right mess. Let me tell you what you need to do. You need to pull yourself together. You need to do this. You need to do it. You need to drag yourself up. You need to see that ledge. You need to step on that ledge. You need to pull yourself up with that. In fact, you've got to put a whole load of effort, but even then, it's not guaranteed you're going to get out. I mean, is that the kind of help you want? The help that's all down to your effort, observing a whole bunch of instructions that this person says you must fulfill, but even then, you might not get out. No, of course it's not. That's not the type of help you want. I mean, what is the type of help? Would the type of help that you want be maybe somebody walking along, looking over the top, hearing your shouts for help, 
help and they look over and they say look I can see you're in a mess I can see that you can't get yourself out I can see the reality of the situation that you are in in this sinkhole and unless somebody comes and rescues you you are certainly going to die don't worry that person comes down grabs a conveniently located piece of rope, ties it around a conveniently located tree, comes down, picks you up, gets you out, gets you fully restored and helps you so that you don't fall into the mess again. Isn't that the type of help you want? Isn't that the perfect, ideal rescue plan? Easter is all about God saying to us as human beings, you're in a mess. There's nothing you can do to get yourself out of it. There's no point ignoring it because it's true. It's the reality. And isn't it an amazing thought that God mounted a rescue plan? Could Jesus be God leaving heaven to come down to rescue us from a situation we cannot get ourselves out of? I want to suggest to you that's exactly what Easter is about and over the course of these next moments through this Easter Sunday service we're going to think about Jesus God's rescue plan for you and for me. So great to be here with Jonathan some in our church will know Jonathan and you've been on quite a journey this past 12 months uh, since lockdown and what God's been doing in your life I just wanted to take a few moments now just to share your story. So I just wonder, Jonathan, could you tell us a little bit about what life was like for you growing up regarding faith, that kind of journey in your life up to this point? Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, I lived a life with my family where we didn't really discuss faith. Faith wasn't uh, a thing to be talked about, I think, because I think um, sort of grandparents, they, they they were Christians, but my family just, no, it wasn't really a thing. I think not having that awareness of God and not having that faith, it, it basically led me to believe, okay, so I've got to now live my life as my life. I have to find this. I have to have this. I have to see this. And it became very self-centered and self-serving, I guess. Uh, and yeah, I've lived that up until the past year. Really, it's been yeah, it's it's been it's been a, <laughs> a lifetime of making silly, selfish, stupid decisions and mistakes. And yet, this year, you would say that there's been a shift. You've seen things change. What's changed over these last 12 months? This past year has been uh, an eye-opener, I guess. It's been it's been hard. It's probably been the it's been the hardest year of my life hmm. by far. I think it's it's been filled with amazing moments on this journey, like seeking God, but there's been some real holes. Um and I think the, yeah, I mean, yeah, I start, I've, I struggle with mental health quite a lot. So it's, it, it initially, it was really sort of trying to connect with God whilst being in those holes was where I really struggled. So it was almost like the, the further I sank, it felt like the further I was getting away from everything, I guess. But then, I don't know it kind of 
over time, over hearing Mary on connect groups and me being in the other room or hearing myself and Ian on church service, and it would be, um, yeah, I'd be in those places. I'd be in those dark places. I remember them on the Sunday morning, I'd be sitting there kind of wishing I could go in there and be part of it. But there'd be something within me telling me, no, no, you, you don't, you don't do that. that. That's, that's not what happens. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was, it was one of those, even though like my brain would go, no, that makes sense. I like that. Then the other part of me would like force me to stay sitting here and I won't be able to escape. Um, but yeah, I think over time, the more curious I got, I started asking Mary questions and it just, yeah, it started to feel right. It, it, it felt like, no, this is what I should be doing. And it was a weird feeling because I've never had that before. I've never had a, mo a thing of this, this feels like I should be doing. It was a really odd feeling. And the more I had that feeling, the more I felt when I was in those holes, I wasn't going down into the hole on my own. Mm. Um, so I was able to kind of sit there and go, I've got someone next to me now that listen to all of my complaints and all the horrible things I say to myself and tell me that they're not true. Because it got to the point where I, I wasn't able to fully comprehend and tell myself who I was anymore. Because every time I tried, it was always negative. And it just became that was what I believed. I just I I lived the life believing that I was just a horrible person. Um, so it took a faith in God to tell me that's not true. That's yeah. <laughs> you so yeah, it's it took it took that for him to remind me, actually, no, <laughs> you're who I say you are and you're a good person. So it's yeah it's that I, I distinctly remember having that moment and that's what set me off then and that's and that made this journey less hazy it was more like I was on a path and everything was behind me and even though I have days where I occasionally turn around and look at my past it's nice because I can look at my past but then look down at the path and see how far I'm away from it now so it's I'm I'm aware that it's there, but I'm moving away from it. Yeah, and God's dealt with it. And that's something that's happened for you in these last 12 months yeah. since we have gone through this COVID pandemic lockdown. That's what God has been taking you on in this journey over these last 12 months. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's been, yeah, it's, like I say, it's been some amazing moments where I wake up and just feel like just a new lease on life, I guess. It's kind of like a new yeah, it almost, it almost feels like a new life sometimes because I'm so used to being in a bit of a rut that waking up and it being sunny and me kind of going, I'm going to enjoy today, I'm going to do this, 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 and feeling really motivated. It's it's something I'm not used to, but it's amazing. It's a great feeling. I mean, obviously there are days still where I do wake up and getting out of bed's hard. Like they're having the motivation to go in the shower is hard, but it's just, yeah, it's, I find it easier to cope now because it doesn't feel like I'm dealing with it on my own because that's how I was taught pretty much it's kind of you do obviously obviously my family are brilliant but and I can talk to them about anything but there is kind of like a a thing within me where I try and internalize it all and I must deal with it on my own because that's how it's done 
So it's just nice now knowing that I can go to somebody else and go, okay, I'm going to give you these because I can't carry them anymore. They're too heavy. <laughs> and for, the, for you, we were speaking just a few moments ago and um, you were saying how just for you, part of this journey has been in the community of the church. And, you know, you shared a minute ago just about you were hearing, overhearing things, but you said yourself, you're a very questioning person. You know, you, you've got into into the church and you're part of a connect group now. And, you know, how have you found that journey within what you've been involved in, of just been having that space, having those people around you? I'm not going to lie. Initially, it was pretty terrifying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, I mean, that was, it was all well and good, kind of like listening to you in the other room or talking to Mary around the dinner table. That's fine. But yeah. being around being around people that have obviously been around the faith for way longer than me it was initially quite intimidating because i mean it obviously didn't need to be but in my brain it was kind of thinking i was thinking i don't know enough like how am i going to answer this question how am i going to do this and i realized within the first 10 minutes of the connect group that it's not about that it feels just like a group a group of friends that are basically gathering around the word really it's kind of it's yeah it, it's so it's so friendly and so easy to speak to people to there's no judgment there's no um there's no ego it's, it's, it's just so nice especially in a time where we are in lockdown and like I'm away from my family and it's obviously I've got I've got Mary and so it's 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 nice to have somebody but it's also nice to have a sense of community elsewhere you see what I mean so like on a, on a Thursday evening you can go and see people and you can have a conversation about your day and you, even if you, even if you've done like the most mundane thing just talking about your day is quite nice um so yeah it's it's been nice sort of connecting on that on that front really and also just the general church services as well because like i'm not i'm still not very very good I'm not, not very hot on the bible so i'm kind of like i i know certain stories quite well but other parts i'm not so like the church services for me are more kind of like learning time <laughs> um yeah because like like i said i'm quite naturally curious anyway and i find some of the things in the bible like mind-blowing so it's it's nice now because like uh, like i've said to you before it's kind of initially on connect group as well i'd be very curious but i'd ask questions from a point of no there has to be an explanation like well, there's got to be an answer surely like the, whereas now i'm asking questions less with the view to actually gaining an answer and more it's more basically me just thinking out loud really or maybe it might make someone else think differently or something like that so it's yeah i also it's just it's just the way i it's it's almost like how i said i i should do this that's how i feel i can connect with faith and with the bible a lot. i think that's just i think it's just my way i think it's just the curiosity part of it it's really strong with me i guess <laughs> 
Look, Jonathan, it's great hearing your story. I'm just, I know myself and others, we're so encouraged that God is working in and through you and has taken you on this journey of faith and through lockdown, you know, God's not restricted in any way. And so I just want to thank you for sharing your story uh, and encouraging us. And we don't know who's watching this and who knows who will see your story, but I want to thank you for getting over that initial apprehension uh, and allowing God to work in and through your life um, because it's really exciting to see. And so we're praying for you and for your journey uh, over these next few months, weeks, years. Uh, it's so exciting to, to see what God's doing. So keep going, friend, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Oh, cheers, John. Thank you very much. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope and no place to begin Your love made a way and let mercy come in Death was arrested and my life began. Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains. My orphan heart was given a name. The morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested and
I was stood outside the tomb, crying. As I wept, I bent over to look inside the tomb. I saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been. Woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord. And I don't know where they've put him. I turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But I didn't realize it was Jesus. Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, I said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Mary. I turned towards him and cried, Rabboni. Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers. Tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. the disciples the news. I have seen the Lord. Way back in 1979, my wife Peggy and myself bought what was known locally as a pretty run-down white elephant of a country house hotel. And excessive bank rates of the day spawned seven years of crazy 89 days, often seven-day weeks, and many white-knuckle rides along the way before it became a success story. Yet, apart from constant tiredness, I absolutely adored my job, which was mainly working with and managing a team of chefs in the busy kitchen. It was only 20 years later, though, with hindsight, that my mind unexpectedly brought recall of just one evening during a busy service. I'd taken a, a five minute break out the front door of the hotel just to get a breath of fresh air from the stifling kitchen heat and found myself in the middle of an absolute uh, gale outside with massive winds uh, blowing torrents of rain everywhere. I don't know, I can't even remember now what the business pressures I was under at that particular time were, but what actually came to mind was the vow before God to the shaking of my defiant, clenched fist at the sky and screaming, 
whatever happens, even if it kills me, I'll never, ever stop. Now there was a challenge. However, in 1988, we sold the, the hotel uh, business well and found a, a beautiful Cotswold farmhouse to convert into a high-end private dining restaurant, ostensibly to now take it easy by opening just four evenings a week and serving minimum covers. And from the nightmare of 27 staff previously, ah, we were going to box clever now because we'd only been needing just one member of paid staff to do the washing up. So what happened? Long story short, in pursuit of perfection, often with just two or three hours sleep a night, inevitably I became ill. Diabetes, repeated kidney stones, aching limbs, and unlike my normal character, often sudden anger towards difficult customers. Until one day after a, a minor mishap in the kitchen when a fridge set alight, I also lit up before my wife shouting, no more customers. As of this minute, it's finished, done, not serving another meal. Oh, my poor Peggy. And that was the end of that business. Fortunately, I was eventually correctly diagnosed with something called hyperparathyroidism, a medical condition which had caused this diabetes, kidney stones, softening of the bones through a leaching of calcium out of my limbs and a temporary chemical mental order. For those who know me, I do stress temporary. But that had caused a chemical imbalance in the brain. So eventually I had a bit of a scary operation and was soon back to normal. And yeah, that was all good news. But I want to quickly give you now the really good news. Because further to my challenge on that stormy night before a sovereign God, that only death would ever stop me. It was in his perfect and opportune timing in his kindness beyond those 30 years of my crazy working hours that by his utter grace he allowed me this medical condition to the end that I might voluntarily lead myself into a total standstill because after the operation to rid me of this condition and in the boredom of suddenly finding absolute, I turn around and think, well, there's nothing to do. So I suddenly found nothing to do since I'd closed the restaurant. And what did I do? I happened to pick up a volume of daily, morning and evening, pure scripture readings. A Christmas gift from my brother to our parents 20 years before, which still in its presentation box, I chucked into a drawer in my dressing room after clearing their house years before. Without really realising why, I now began spending several minutes every morning and evening pretty well reading, I suppose like I used to read horoscopes and seemingly not understanding very much. But with our business now on the market and so all the time in the world, I regularly continued to read July through August September, October, November the 1st, November the 2nd, 3rd and 4th, morning of the 5th of November 1996. Fireworks. Wow! 
Wow! Oh no! All these years, I've been going the wrong way. Oh Jesus, you are the way. I was the fifth and last person in my family to receive his salvation. Born again by his Spirit. Thine be the glory, risen, conquering Son. Endless is the victory, thou, O death, has won. Angels in bright raiment rolled the stone away. Kept the folded grave clothes where thy body lay. Thine be the glory, risen, conquering Son. Endless is the victory, thou, O death, has won. Jesus meets us, risen from the tomb. Lovingly he greets us, scatters fear and gloom. Let the church with gladness hymns of triumph sing. For her Lord now liveth, death has lost its sting. Thine be the glory, risen, conquering Son. Endless is the victory, thou, O death, has won. No more we doubt thee, glorious Prince of life. Life is not without thee, aid us in our strife. Make us more than conquerors through thy deathless love. Bring us safe through Jordan to thy home above. Thine be the glory, risen conquering Son. Endless is the victory thou, O death, hast won. I'm in the Elim International Centre, which is the home of Elim Pentecostal churches. We have over 500 churches around the UK and over 4,000 across the globe. And right here at the Elim International Centre, I'm stood in the Vumba Memorial Garden, which is just an absolutely beautiful uh, place to remember something really significant in the history of Elim Pentecostal Church, which took place over four decades ago. Over four decades have passed since 13 missionaries were massacred in the Vumba in Zimbabwe. They were missionaries involved in healthcare and educating the indigenous African children. It was incredible what took place as these 13 missionaries uh, were slaughtered, 
Why were they doing what they were doing? They were doing what they were doing because they believed in it. You see, these missionaries loved Jesus and they wanted to be like Jesus. And they know that being like Jesus means that they change the lives of many, many people. You see, what they died for, they also lived for. Jesus was worth dying for because Jesus was worth living for. The very heartbeat of what they believed, which is the very heartbeat of what Jesus' followers believe right across the world and celebrate at Easter time, is that God didn't remain distant from us as human beings, but he came and got his hands dirty in our world, in the person of Jesus. If you want to know what God's like, just take a look at what Jesus did. Jesus walked around the earth bringing healing and significance and value and love to people. And what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, he has done ever since and is still doing today and can do it for you. At this time of year in Easter, we get really, really excited as Jesus' followers because it's that time in the year where in a more focused way we can think about the fact that not only did Jesus come down to planet Earth, but the Bible tells us he died. He was put on a cross. Why? He was put on a cross that people like you and people like me can be forgiven for leaving him out and doing life our own way. I'm sure you've made a decent shot at it, but however good we've been or however bad we've been, we fall short of the standard that God has set. Jesus came so that you and I could be forgiven, so we could have the wrong things in our life removed. So the separation that has developed because we've lived life without him, that can be removed. And today, Jesus remains just a prayer away from you connecting with him. But here's the great news. As with these incredible missionaries, they didn't just believe that God had rescued them from something. They believed that God had rescued them for something too. And the great message of Easter is, yes, we can be forgiven. Yes, three days after Jesus had died, he came back alive and there's this lovely little sentence in the Bible that says, and it's Jesus speaking, because I live, you also can live. Because I live, you also can live. How fantastic is that? You see, becoming a Jesus follower in the true sense of the word means that not only are we forgiven, but we can truly live. And wonderful it is to think that not only does God forgive us, but he's got a plan and a purpose, something he wants to use us in so that you and I can make a real difference. I said they were willing to die for Jesus because they were willing to live for him too. Becoming a Christian, becoming a Jesus follower means that we have new life. So when Jesus came back alive and today we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, when he came back alive, it means that you and I too can come really alive and go make a radical difference in this world. So for many years, um, I was in and out of addiction. Um, mostly alcohol, but sometimes drugs, relationships, um, love, lust, anything that would make me feel 
make me feel different, make me feel better, I, th I thought it was. Um, and life was just always dark and it was always just too hard. And um, back in 2018, um, there was a crisis moment and um, I ended up trying to take my own life. And uh, my parents were brought to my bedside and my children were told to come and say goodbye to me. And um, I vaguely remember waking up and I had a tube in my throat and um, the nurses were, were pulling this tube out of my throat and um, I heard this voice just say, this isn't your time. And it was very kind of matter of fact, but kind. Um, and I just thought it was one of the nurses. And um, about three days after that, I, I was very angry because I found out that I was being detoxed from alcohol. And I was so, so angry because I thought that I could control it. I thought I was the one that had control. I was the one that was most powerful. And I was the one that had a say as to whether I lived or died. And um, I left the hospital and I went straight to the pub and um, I just continued to drink. I only had a couple of drinks, but I, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning and I was um, choking. And I heard this voice yet again telling me, saying, it's not your time. And... Um, I had this sudden realization that um i couldn't I couldn't manage my addiction I couldn't manage my life so um I joined a twelve step fellowship and part of um twelve step fellowship Alcoholics Anonymous is that we we come to believe in a power greater than ourselves in the literature it says God as we understand him and um they talk about a spiritual not religious god and for me. I kind of needed something tangible, you know, evidence of God. And so um, a friend that was in recovery invited me to come to Oasis Community Church. And, um, oh, it was like walking, um, it was like walking into Munchkin Land in the Wizard of Oz. I feel that before my life was just so black and white and dark and 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 destruction you know and um I walked in and there was just this beautiful beautiful feeling a feeling better than any drink or drug a feeling of safety a feeling of warmth a feeling of love and uh I thought that I was going to get that all the time I thought that Coming to believe meant that life was going to be perfect all the time. And so I, um, in early 2019, my sister passed away. And I really fell out with God because I was, uh, I was a very private Christian, a secretive Christian, didn't really talk about it with anybody. Um, but then when, when talking with friends, I would say, you know, why would God do this to me? You know, like it's a personal attack. And the simple fact of the matter is, why not me? You know, that's how I feel about it now. It's taken me nearly 
I think 12 months. I think just, just before lockdown, it took for me to actually work through the process. And I remember I got in from shopping and I, I just heard this, this voice, this, I just heard this, shall we talk? And I remember swearing. I remember looking over my shoulder and swearing at the voice. I wasn't ready to talk to God. But every time I tried to pull away from God, he kept pulling me back. Every time I every time I shouted, he didn't leave me. Every time I swore, I wasn't left alone. Um I was safe. I was safe in I was safe in God's arms. And um lockdown what lockdown has actually given me is it's allowed me to develop my my relationship with Jesus. Um it's given me the courage and the strength to talk more openly about my faith um, with other people, including members of my family that are that are non-believers. Um, and you know what? It's a beautiful thing. It really, really is. It has it has changed my life. My relationship with God has completely changed my life. Um, prayer isn't something that I do just get out of a mess it's it's a habit now um first thing in the morning kettle goes on god and i have a chat and um i talk to god throughout the day and giving myself to god giving my life to god giving every part of me means that i'm carried and in a world of uncertainty he is certain. Um, yeah, my life has changed beyond belief.
his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since Christ has lost his grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of really nice town called Kenilworth and uh, just the back end of last year I was going out for a walk because that's what we're meant to do isn't it in Covid so I was out for my daily walk and uh, lived in the town about maybe 15 years or something like that and uh, right at the top of the town just by a beautiful park called Abbey Fields we've got um, one of these lovely uh, cenotaphs type thing in, in as a memory to those who died in in the wars and uh, as i've lived there about 15 years i've passed it so many times seen all the poppies on there and if i'm really honest i've not really paused to look and in fact i was aware of this last year when i was out on said walk i walked past and i must have got maybe 10 15 20 meters maximum uh, beyond it and i suddenly thought mark you have passed by what is erected to help us to remember people who had given up their lives for our freedom and you've just walked past it almost like it's an everyday object and I, I felt really bad and so I turned around and and I went and I just looked and I, I read the names on it and paused and just thought about the potential stories and the family the story behind the name on the monument that helps us to remember somebody has died. I wonder whether Easter comes around and then goes and just like I passed that monument, that celebration, that cenotaph, and never pause to think about the names on it. I wonder whether as Easter has come and gone and come and gone and come and, and gone, maybe You've just walked past Easter, that you've never paused to think about the name that is Easter and what it's really, really all about. Whether you've paused to think about the name 
of Jesus on the cross, taking the punishment for the wrong of the whole world. I wonder whether you've just walked past and whether I might just call you back today for a few moments to think about the person that is Jesus, about his life, about some of the things we've thought about through today's Easter Sunday service. You see, uh, most historians, in fact, all historians agree on the existence of Jesus. There is overwhelming evidence by some of the finest legal brains in the world that say when you look at the evidence for the fact that Jesus came alive, it's overwhelming. But I bet you've never paused to think about it. And I'm calling you to walk back those 15, 20, 25 meters. Would you today think about the name on the cross and all that that name and that story represents, all that it communicates to us as human beings? I often say there's three ways to consider Uh, God to consider Jesus. It's what I call a big yes, a little yes, and a healthy maybe. It might be that today as you listen to this, and maybe you've been thinking about life and faith, and maybe you know you need to give your life to Jesus. I wonder whether you might mark this moment and say a big yes to God. What is a big yes? A big yes is the significant next step to start in that journey. It's where you're prepared to say, God, Lord, I know I've lived my life without you, but I want to start to live it with you. I want to embrace and receive the forgiveness and the life that your son Jesus gave me on the cross. And with God's help, you're willing to turn away from living life without him and start to follow him. It's the starting point. Maybe today is a big yes moment for you. But it might be that you're listening today and saying, you know, Mark, I'm really not ready for that right now. Wonder whether I might invite you to say what I call a little yes. A little yes is about making an intentional decision to find out more. I wonder whether today you might make an intentional decision to investigate whether this Jesus is true, whether it's real. Because if, if there's any sniff of a possibility that it is. You owe it to yourself to look into it. It might be that you're listening today and you say, Mark, I'm not ready for a big yes, a little yes, or or, or any kind of real investigation or decision. Well, might I just gently challenge you and ask you to become what I call a healthy maybe. A healthy maybe is someone that makes a commitment to become or remain open-minded, that you're just Keep it on the back burner. You won't not think about it again. You won't just push it to one side and ignore it like I did when I walked past that cenotaph each day. And that you might mark this moment and say, no, Feddies, I'll become open-minded. That you take your maybe and make it healthy. Maybe there's something in this. I'm almost done with my chat today. It's been fantastic to journey with you through this Easter Sunday morning As a group of Elim churches across the UK, we are running a thing called Alpha Online. We'd love to invite you to come on a journey with us. Thank you so much. 
Well, what a great morning. We just want to thank you for being with us this morning, for celebrating Easter Sunday. Uh, to all those that took part this morning and made this morning happen, thank you to the worship team for those that shared your stories. What powerful stories of who Jesus is and how he transforms our lives. Uh, so many other stories we could share. Uh, and to Mark, thank you for speaking this morning. Uh, I just want to reiterate what Mark said. We're running Alpha online starting on the 21st of April, Wednesday, the 21st of April at 7.30. It's all online from the comfort of your own home. Whether you are a big yes, a little yes, or maybe even a healthy maybe, or maybe you've been uh, following Jesus for years, what a great next step just to find out more and deepen your faith or to understand a little bit more about what we as Christians believe. I'd encourage you, please get online to the link that is on the screen right now and register your interest for Alpha online. But all that's left for me to say is thank you for being with us this morning and we are praying that you would have a really blessed Easter and you would know all that this day means about how we get to live in light of who Jesus is and what he has done. Uh, and so have a blessed Easter and we'll see you soon.